and welcome to Don't Stop Repealing, your weekly pro-repeal podcast running for the duration of the Irish abortion and maternity care referendum campaign. I'm Una Mullally. And I'm Andrea Horan. This is our last episode before we vote on Friday. We're all very emotional. And just to kind of sum up how emotional things are, uh, a lovely woman called into Trap Pop today to get a Mazer tea and she just broke down crying telling me how much she loved the podcast. She was like, I love the podcast. and just bawled. And she's like, please tell Una how much I love it. So to her I say... We're all teetering on the edge, but we've got this. At this stage, it's all about visibility and getting the vote out. It's so heartwarming walking around Dublin and I know loads of people around different towns and villages in Ireland, everyone decked out in their bits and hugging people almost as they walk by when they see a repeal jumper or a badge, giving everyone good smiles, just all good vibes all around. So this is the contagion phase where we really need to mobilise the vote and that's what it's all about. So in terms of campaign news, that's really all that we have. If you have one person that you know in the back of your mind, could be a parent, grandparent, someone in your family, a pal, an acquaintance, a work colleague, and you think that they might still be on the fence or that they're considering voting now, make the call, start the WhatsApp conversation. Don't regret not doing that on the 26th. Every vote counts. For media shenanigans this week, well, (laughs) there were some serious (laughs) shenanigans going on in... uh, the no campaign and um, whatever is happening to them but it does seem to show that they might be having a little bit of a moment <laughs> to themselves the prime time debate which Andrea calls <laughs> do you want me to say it, say I'll it. Say it. the debate that launched a thousand swoons <laughs> if you look at the internet today it's literally every online publication has how many people love Simon Harris? Who fancies Simon Harris? Do we love Simon Harris? Like, I think Simon Harris is the hero of today. Um, and personally, I've been holding out for a hero in these debates. And sassy Simon was all I was crying out for, to be honest. Sometimes you just need a little bit of tough love. And Simon had it in spades. Do you agree? I agree. I thought he was really great. I thought he nailed it, especially at the end. And I thought um, Padre Tobin was disingenuous. And although he was trying to be calm, um, it just didn't come across. It seemed to be a bit of an empathy vacuum again. Especially uh, when that amazing woman from... The woman from the Rape Crisis Centre? Yes. Yeah. No, yeah. she wasn't in the Rape Crisis Centre. She was in the hospital. Who oh, dealt yeah. with sexual assaults and stuff. And she was just asking him straight up, would you do this? And he just was like, ah. Yeah, it was kind of had to answer himself that like, yes, I would force a woman who'd been raped to remain pregnant. So that was basically the sentiment there. Well done. Wouldn't like to be him walking into Mary Lou's <laughs> office next week. <laughs> Will he be walking in? I wouldn't. Um, Miriam was also an absolute boss and um, I think the difference between this week's and last week's RT debates um, and how they were handled was next level um, both sides were fairly represented facts were kept in check and the mania was gone and for that we're very thankful however there was a large degree of drama beforehand when Corla Sherlock was scheduled to be one of the debaters um, alongside uh, Dr. or Professor Mary Higgins who was then in the audience gave really good contributions but Sherlock bailed um, and or <laughs> Or we have Cora Sherlock pulling out. Way! <laughs> Thanks, Andre, there. Just bringing the tone down as usual. <laughs> it was really unfortunate, though, from an optics perspective, that there were two men debating women's bodies. But I do think that the audience contributions were really good. But what is going on in the No campaign? Because as Cora was um, vanishing from Montrose, uh, Maria Steen then apparently pulled out from the Pat Kenny debate, which is scheduled to happen on Wednesday evening. Um, And then that was kind of breaking. And then uh, today, 
she reappeared and has decided to um, she's in a chicken all about so what is going on with the no campaign are they imploding is there a lot of infighting going on obviously there are loads of different factions within um, the no campaign Cora Sherlock then had this really weird video that she put up it was so demented calling for unity and all this kind of stuff so maybe there's a lot of conflict going on there I think the really interesting thing about that video is that she said she definitely didn't pull out like what, then what did she do? Yeah. Like, she didn't explain what happened. She was like, I just want you to know I didn't pull out. So um, whether the No campaign as a whole decided that they didn't want Cora Sherlock, um, who isn't a very good media performer, uh, up against people like Simon Harris and Mary Higgins and wanted to push Maria Steen, who they perceived did quite well on Claire Byrne, um, maybe that's what's happened. Or perhaps more logically, um, they're just trying to be disruptive. I mean, we saw this during the marriage uh, quality referendum where this tactic of like pulling like pulling people from debates you know to try and disrupt and unnerve things um, and then putting somebody else in as a disruptive tactic uh, was used um, some believe allegedly but you know it's such a terrible strategy if that's the case and it just goes to show again the the amateurism and the lack of professionalism and the lack of smarts that really has typified the no campaign that they pull these kind of stunts and think that the whole thing is some kind of you know little game that you can do these kind of stuff you know you don't put uh, a, a, a really respected program like primetime in that kind of position it's it's really stressful for everyone involved it does yourselves a disservice you know if, if their MO is to remove women's voices from the debate well you know that that's kind of the attitude that they have coming from that I don't think they care about anyone though to be honest like putting people under pressure stressing people out they just don't give a fuck yeah well that's a fair summation I think (laughs) Um, but uh, we're recording this on Wednesday and tonight uh, Pat Kenny on TV3 um, his debate which is going to have Colin McGorman and Maria Steen TBC unforeseen circumstances (laughs) Um, and then that's also going to be followed by The Tonight Show with Matt Cooper and Ivan Yates and our uh, pals <laughs> Mary, Mary Lou MacDonald and Michal Martin friends of the pod and uh, Declan Tinfoil Hat Ganley and Theresa Lowe will be on for the no side Can I say this fish? Go on I think we can safely ask ourselves where in the world are they going with that no lineup? It is uh, symptomatic of the reality that the no campaign do not have the type of people to debate these issues that the Yes campaign have. There's there's very little variety with the spokespeople and that's really showing now because as the campaign progresses, you can put your various spokespeople who are quite prominent, uh, you know, to the fore at the start. But as it continues, you don't who have... Who have you got left? But you don't, who have you got left? A lot of them are all very connected in the same organisations like the Iona, uh, inverted commas, Institute. Katie Askoff can't be anywhere else. Yes. She's literally popping up everywhere. And as is Maria Steen. Yeah. So I think it just uh, goes to show how thin on the ground they are and how unrepresentative they are of the public. But that's the no campaign. As my mum would say, leave them at it. This week, the final podcast before we go to vote, myself and Andrea thought it was fitting to go to HQ 
go to the Together for Yes office and see what all of those amazing people who've been manning uh, that campaign were up to. So first up, we spoke to the amazing campaign director of Together for Yes, Deirdre Duffy. Hi, I'm Deirdre Duffy. I'm the campaign manager with Together for Yes. Boom, what a legend. (laughs) (laughs) We're very serious interviewers. It's so great to have you guys in the office today. I'm really serious. So now I'm going to have to like do star jumps or something. Um, We've just been talking there about how are we feeling, but how are you feeling? I'm feeling really good. Yeah, we're three days out. Um, There's a really positive vibe in the office. I feel we're going to do it. I think the people who are most affected by this, like young women, if they come out and vote and get the men in their lives out to vote on Friday, it's over the line. Done. What has been the most challenging aspect of this campaign for you personally? So I have two kids. So that's personally the most challenging thing because when you're running a campaign like this, you're not there for them as much as you'd want to be. But I am taking my son swimming next Monday. And when I when it when that hit my mind, I can actually take him swimming at two o'clock in the day. That was brilliant. So yeah, I mean look, everyone that's been part of this move in the campaign, we've all we've all had personal sacrifices. You know, for me, I'm I'm just here in awe of the women who go public and share their stories and the couples. So any personal sacrifice that has happened to my life, it's not that I'm kind of pushing it away, but it just it's nothing in comparison to what people are doing to get this one and to make this change for my daughter, you know, and for all the the women and the girls that are that are out there and for me too. So it pales in comparison. To be honest with you, it's so inspiring. Do you know the two the two things that are most inspiring are the people who are breaking out and saying I've had enough of this and I'm going to tell my story um, because I believe in change and the young people who are sat down there who are using every bit of creativity inspiration they're all volunteering their time and they're just like no I'm writing my future this is my opportunity to do it and I'm going to do it and what's been your highlight of the campaign apart from obviously all of that if you had to pick one key moment I know that's a like big thing but there's been so many kind of pivotal moments in the campaign is there anything that really stands out okay so like for me this is a real internal thing if that's allowed because I'm here I'm chained to the desk every day so when we had our first proper campaign meeting where we all supported each other we cheered for each other we spoke of pride about what we were doing when the when the momentum and the movement started around two weeks ago when the swing was starting towards a yes now it mightn't have been people were still a little bit nervous like deep down inside you could feel it you could feel it from the doors you could feel it from the press and so like from an insider point of view that was my favourite time Um, like externally again any time I hear Ava Smith the women you know people who've been part of this movement for so long just standing up and saying those inspiring words they're all magic moments not when Killian Murphy sent you all free cakes (laughs) That's pretty cool as well. <laughs> that is really cool. But we get all these donuts. It's like the donut campaign. So every time you go down into the kitchen, you're like, there are more donuts. So huge shout out to everyone who's sending us in stuff because it is amazing. Do and we all have a sugar addiction now as well. Do you think you would have preferred fruit that we were going to bring, but we never did? Absolutely not. <laughs> donuts, cake, yeah. all the rest of it. That's what we want. I was on the phone to Andre this morning. I was like, we need to bring them some fruit. They need vitamins. And Andre was just like, what are you talking about? Mmm, an orange. Thanks. Anyway, uh, Andrea didn't pick it up, so it's fine. You don't have to eat the fruit. (laughs) How do you think Friday is going to go? What's going to be your board planola when you wake up in the morning? What's your plan of action? 
I'm going to eat some fruit. I'm going to have my <laughs> breakfast as normal. I'm going to go to the polling station with my family and maybe my neighbours um, because that's where this belongs. And I'm going to be really emotional. And I'm going to put on my badge and then I'm going to take it off and I get into the polling station and my children are going to go in with me and we're all going to vote yes. And it's going to be... I'm getting emotional even thinking about it now. It's going to be hard, you know. I'm, I'm tired and... Uh, but I can't wait to do that. And then I will be here with the team for as much as possible during the day and out and about and just really putting that last push on because, sorry, this, you know, I just, I can't, I can't think about waking up on Saturday morning and it not being a yes. But it's going to be a yes. But it's going to be a yes. Oh, for sure it's going to be a yes. I've always thought it was going to be a yes. And... That's the thing about this. You've got to believe, you know, you've got to believe always. Even like six weeks ago, it was always going to be a yes. Because we had our plan. We had all the, the, the boring things like strategies and plans and systems and processes. But we have the testimony. We have the lived experiences. It's ha- it has to change, you know, so it's definitely going to be a yes. One of the things that typifies um, the Together for Yes campaign is dignity and calmness uh, in the face of uh, hysteria and misinformation. Um, how difficult has it been for you personally and for the rest of the, the guys here to actually keep a level head? Yeah, very difficult at times. So like after the Claire Byrne show debate um, came in here and people were very upset. People were upset around the country. But that wasn't the only time. So sometimes you walk in and one of the best things about being part of this kind of movement is the energy from other people. So it's like going to the an All-Ireland Hurling final, an amazing concert. So you walk in here and you can pick up energy straight away and you can pick up the the emotions and the giddiness um, or whatever it might be. Not really normally giddiness, but, you, you know, people can get tense some days. And then it's very hard because as a leader in the campaign, with the co-directors, you got to put the face on. So you walk in the door and no matter how bad you're feeling, so I'm cycling in, I'm looking at all those no posters and I'm like, oh, no posters. Then you walk in the door, you got to have the face on, you got to be calm and you've got to bring people back to where they need to be. And sometimes that's really hard. And then like the other thing is that they're entitled to be cross and emotional about things because they should be, you know, this this is their lives and this is their future and they should be. And you, you've got to give people the space to do that as well then you got to bring them back to the job at hand. Um, and at times it's been hard, but I think we've been very dignified. And one of the most important things about this campaign is that we have a core. I spoke to them at the beginning. I said, we have our values. We have our way of doing it. And we are not going to be dragged anywhere else because this is who we are. That's a very good philosophy to live by. <laughs> it's really random, but yeah. No, you're so right. I told you I was serious, you see? You see, I told you this at the beginning, right? Andrea? That's it. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> thank you for your service. And thank days. you for keeping it dignified because it's so hard when you're faced with all that shit. That mm. You just want to be like, you motherfucker. Yeah. So thank and you. Can I give a, a shout out, um, you know, as well to all the women in the country who who maybe feel as though their voices haven't been heard um, and maybe feel as though that, that, that certain types of testimony are kind of used in the campaign and stuff like that. But I mean, I just... Every single woman or family or community has been affected by this issue has always been part of this campaign in here. And we have thought about you every single day. And, you know, there hasn't been the space or the opportunity to get all those experiences out there. 
um, but you've you've been in our hearts and we've been doing everything for you. So there's no good and bad story here. Mm. We're all in it together. And that's why it's called Together for Yes. That is surely why it is. How fab is Deirdre? We adore her. And someone we really adore and who we have so much respect for and who brought a tear to our eye with the amount of work she's put into this campaign over so many years. Uh, She's inspirational. Give it up for Alva Smith. I can't think beyond Friday. So people say ridiculous things to me like, have you planned your holiday? And I'm thinking, I just said that. Alva, let me take. Because, of course, you know, your aim, your goal in a campaign is to get to the day. The day, the big day is Friday. Getting everybody out to vote is what I'm feeling at the moment, that that's really, really, really important. Because if we get a good turnout, if we get a reasonable turnout, um, I think that we can pull this off. Uh, It's really important because we know that the people who are most likely to vote are the over 55s traditionally. So we really need to get all the under 35s who are yes voters to get out there and vote. We need to get all the plus 35s who are yes voters to get out there and vote, try and balance against that demographic. That doesn't mean that all people my age are no voters, not at all, but they are much more likely to go out and vote and there is a higher proportion of them who are more likely to be no voters. So it's a kind of delicate balance. So at the moment, we are not just hoping and praying that people will go out and vote, but we are actually working really hard. Yeah, you know, on the streets, um, on the doorsteps, through social media, as you well know, uh, in the traditional media, in every way we can to encourage people to understand that this is a really unique opportunity for us now. And it probably is a kind of once in a generation thing to get this referendum. It is hugely significant. It's going to make such a difference if we do pull it off and pull that out of the Constitution, pull the 8th out. It would just make a massive difference to women immediately who need abortion. It will make a huge difference, I think, to women generally in saying that our lives and our health matter. You know, that we're not some kind of second-rate substance, that our lives really matter, our health really matters, our dignity, our respect, just us as women really matter. And I think that that makes should make, will make, would make an amazing difference to just the way we operate and function as a society, to think that we really can move beyond that very dark past that we have, because it's the residue of that, and Ireland isn't really like that anymore. So pushing beyond that makes a difference to the kind of world we live in here in Ireland to the way we bring up our kids the way we bring up our grandkids <laughs> which for me is really important you know this is three three and a half generations we've been fighting for this so I'm feeling that I'm feeling it in my bones which are maybe a bit weary although the spirit is entirely willing um, because it has been a very long time it has been a very long punishment and a cruel one for women in this country and we just want to end that cruelty and say no that's enough now we are sitting in the together for yes hq which is a buzz um with activity um we're sitting in the press room right now which has the podium set up for debate prep uh presumed for various different things in terms of the duration of this campaign what has been a high moment for you 
Oh, gosh. I mean, that's a really good question. I hadn't thought about that. I mean, you know, in a way, the launch was absolutely fantastic, just getting the whole thing off the ground. And then I think another high moment, oh, gosh, there have been so many in a way, but a really high moment. Sorry. I can't really think of any high moments. Actually, turn that thing off. Uh, what, what would be high moments? Tell me. I'm very bad at that. Well, what, do you, what do you think is a high moment, Andre? Yeah. I think a high moment is all the little moments come together and sometimes when you think of a high moment you think of this big has to be a big showpiece moment where it's actually the little moments of someone you didn't expect to come out in support of women to come out in support of women like you've got like the rugby players coming out at the moment and you've got uh, where you just felt that that wasn't going to happen so for those things it kind of inspires you to get to the point of oh this we have this Yes, I, you know, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I did, for me, certainly the launch was really important and it felt like we were on a high after it. And but the emotions from and that. The emotion, exactly. But then after that, it was things out on the canvas are, you know, going around the country because we, we've been around the country a lot and people coming up to you very quietly and shyly in the street, maybe in county, wherever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, best not to name particular one. But just coming up and saying, I'm with you or just putting their thumb up or just smiling really quite shyly and I'd be thinking back now maybe six weeks ago and I think that was very touching I mean there was one um, meeting we had in Waterford where people came into the room and you know it was kind of quiet people were I think finding it tough going and by the time the meeting was over you know we were doing photos we had the banners out we had the balloons we were all ready to go out there so that that for me was a kind of really important moment it showed that it is tough it has been tough campaign for people all around the country but just that coming together talking understanding working with one another i think always gives me a high and that's just a, a particular mm. moment maybe has it been tough for you Yes, I think, you know, campaigning is tough for everybody. Um, I think when there's so much at stake, as there really is so much at stake in this, you're very aware that you do have to be careful. You do have to think about the consequences of everything you do, everything you say. You do have to be aware that there are hundreds, thousands of people who are really working for this campaign and that you... Sort of for me, I'm very conscious that I absolutely need to do my very best because there are so many people who kind of depend on you to be with with other people, obviously, to be thinking this thing through properly, rightly, in a way that we can win. So sometimes it's a lot of pressure on your shoulders. Huge pressure. Yeah, yeah there is. There yeah. is. And but but I also think that's normal. It's not the first time I've fought a campaign, so I do think it's normal. Um, oh, but my God, the body suffers. There's no doubt about that. The body suffers. It's going to need a lot of TLC after, after the campaign, whatever the outcome. One of the things that has been really remarkable, I suppose, and you touched on it there in terms of the canvassing, has been the mobilisation of people around the country, especially women. Um, and obviously, we're not thinking beyond Friday, but as a political animal yourself, you must recognise the profound impact that that politicisation is going to have on Irish society. 
because of what has happened over the last few months? Yes, well, I think it's been a really interesting, particularly over the last month or so with the cervical screening um, scandal breaking at the same time, where I think people, particularly women, are understanding in a very a much sharper way um, that there is a huge, amount, a huge amount to be desired, that a lot needs to happen to ensure that health services really are good for women. And I think that... Um, because abortion is a difficult topic for people, it has meant that people have had to think about it quite politically. In other words, it's not something that you can put off into some non-political or apolitical box. So I think you're you're absolutely right about that. And women, but also also many many men, many young men in particular, have really uh, had to look quite closely at how um, gender relations function in Irish society to get a really good grip on this. If they hadn't already done that before. My own feeling about this whole campaign is that, again, whatever the outcome on Friday, that somehow a genie has got out of the bottle and that is never going to go back in there. And I think that that genie that's come out of the bottle is this sense of secrecy around women's bodies, women's lives, women's health, and also um, a really uh, a, a real sense of outrage about the extent to which we've had to be secret about so many things and the stigma that comes along with that. So how we've had to keep things secret, but how also things have been kept secret from us, so that there is a kind of secrecy conspiracy there in the society, that women's bodies matter less. And that that genie is out of the bottle. Women have stood up and spoken so bravely uh, in every arena around women's health over the past few weeks that that's, that's never going to be quelled. And I mean, I do know over a long period of kind of activism, and you don't hold on to all your gains. They can be taken away from you. But when you break a silence, that silence is broken. People's voices are there. They don't then go away. They stay there. And those are the voices that change a society, change its values, change how it works. Because that's what we want. We want this society to work better for women. And I really do think that Whatever happens on Friday, that that change has been occurring, has occurred over these past few really quite extraordinary two months. Mm. Once I know we're not thinking ahead of Friday, but we're, I'm going to put a little post-Friday <laughs> question out. Yeah. We have another fight on our hands with the legislation. If if we win this referendum, how are we going to get? Like, what are we going to do? <laughs> Well, I think, I think we've always known that there would be two stages to this. I mean, not least because when we set up the coalition to repeal the Eighth Amendment, we were saying and very well aware that this was the first step in a process. So I think that that's been written into the DNA of our thinking and our, our strategic work over the past four or five years. So we're very, very clear about that, that removing the Eighth Amendment from the Constitution is the first step, that it doesn't mean that miraculously the next day, if we did repeal the Eighth Amendment, that there would suddenly be services in place. So there is going to be, if we do repeal, uh, there is going to be naturally um, a process of getting the laws in place that regulate uh, abortion and there would, of course, then be another process alongside that to ensure that there are the right kind of services for women because nothing like that happens overnight. And I think that, uh, I, you know, I think people are very well aware of that. I think yeah, people know think that. it's going to take... 
Well, you know, that's that's a very difficult question to answer because we also have the prospect, first of all, we haven't won yeah. and we won't know about that until after Friday. And secondly, we do have the... Um, the probability, the likelihood, I would say the racing certainty of a general election coming up ASAP. So that will also depend on the composition of the next government. And that's something that's going to evolve now over the coming months. So they, it, you can't really, you can't say this is going to be the time frame. What you can do always is give yourself a time frame. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we had a time frame. Uh, from after the Protection of Life During Pregnancy Act was passed, we said, okay, within five years, we need to have a referendum and try to repeal the Eighth Amendment. And we are working within our time frame. So we will now have to have another time frame if that happens, if we are fortunate enough to repeal it. We will have to have another time frame now that will say within such and such a time, we will have legislation agreed, passed, uh, signed, sealed and delivered from the Oireachtas. And we will, at the same time, in parallel, have the medical profession and training and so on in place and the the health service providers in place to provide the services that women need. So it's a bit... I I wouldn't give a time frame on it now this minute, Andrea. What are you going to do on Saturday? On Saturday... Um, we are going to be biting our nails down the count in the RDS, in City West, in all the con- counts all over the country. And we're going to bite our nails until we get a result. And after that, then I'll be able to tell you what we'll be doing for the rest of the day. <laughs> <laughs> Wine either way. You know, why? Why? Ask either me way. these incredibly <laughs> difficult questions. I already haven't <laughs> slept for weeks. I'm now going to be even more sleepless in Dublin <laughs> than ever before. Alva, can I personally and on behalf of our listeners just thank you for all of your work. You're an absolute rock star. You are the person that I think everybody with the brain in their head would have wanted steering this because of your intellect, um, your empathy, your drive and your resilience. Oh my goodness, you're actually (laughs) making me cry. Thank you so much. You know, it's just, um, it's actually, it's a privilege. Thank you. Thank you. Friday's the day to vote. Yes. You need to get all your shit sorted now. What you need to do, make a fucking plan. How you're going to get there, who you're going to go with, where you'll go, etc. This will leave you with no wiggle room or excuse not to vote. But come on, I think if you're listening to us, you've been planning this day for a while. Am I right? But check if there's anyone in your hood who needs a hand getting to the polling station or if a neighbour needs someone to mind the kids that they can get out. Text your friends, hassle the people around you, make sure they don't forget to vote. Text people on the hour, every hour, if you have to. You'll be so popular if you do that. (laughs) Like, I think at this stage we're all very popular with our appeal chats. So... Just to break it down, in case there are any misgivings about what you actually do and what you need to bring to the polling station, we've made like Julipa and made you some rules. Number one, polling card. So your polling card displays your name, address, polling station and your electoral number. However... You do not need your polling card to vote, so do not panic. There's been hysteria if some people haven't got it. So if it hasn't arrived or if you've lost it, don't worry. Once you have your ID and you're on the register, you can still vote. Consider this the best guest list you've ever been on. And about that, bring your ID. Even if you have your polling card with you or not, bring your ID. 
These kind of forms of IDs work best. Your passport, a driver's license, student ID with photograph, work ID with photograph. And they're not the ones that work best. They're the only ones that work. Yes, more or less. <laughs> there are a couple of other ones like a bank statement thing. You don't need it. Just, no, just, no, 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 no. Passport to driver's license. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Or a student ID or a work ID with a photograph. They have to have a photograph. Okay. Number three, what will the ballot paper actually say? Just focus on putting an X in the yes box. The ballot paper will say, do you approve of the proposal to amend the constitution contained in the undermentioned bill, 36th Amendment of the Constitution Bill 2018? And you're going to be like, yes. Number four, don't accidentally spoil your vote. All you need to do is put an X in the yes tall box. Don't be tempted to write anything else or make any other mark on your ballot paper as that may spoil your vote. So no smiley faces or repeal or fuck the patriarchy or Ronan Mullen can get in the sea or Cora Sherlock pulled out or I love Simon Harris or anything like that. X in the yes box. That's all you need. Number five, don't wear campaign related merch. So the time might finally have arrived for us to stop wearing our politics across our tits. Remove badges, slogan jumpers or T-shirts, tote bags, stickers or anything else that relates to the campaign. You'll have the rest of the day and the night and the weekend to wear all your repeal swag. Just don't wear it at the polling station. You're not meant to be getting all up in people's faces with anything that may influence their vote. Number six, don't take photos inside the polling station or the polling booth. You don't need to take a picture of your ballot paper, you voting, no selfies, no snaps of you putting your vote in the box. This rule exists to protect the secrecy of everyone's ballot, so do not risk it. Just keep your phone in your pocket when you go into the polling station and don't take it out until you're out of there. If you want to take a gorgeous little selfie outside the polling station, fine, but don't do it inside. Wow. Um, look, that was... I, I can't really boss you at the moment. I just snap into boss. <laughs> um, number seven, don't canvas near a polling station. It is an offence to canvas, leaflet or display posters within 50 metres of a polling station. The only people who should be asking you for your ID are the officials manning the polling station. If anyone else were asked, asked for ID, I think we all know where to tell them to go. To see. <laughs> There's actually, because the love voters are coming out saying that they're going to be outside polling stations asking people for ID. So tell them to fuck off. <laughs> that is solid advice there from <laughs> And Andrew. very professional again. <laughs> Woo! So today, as we're in a bit of a reflective mode, we're going to start crying soon. We're bringing on the tears. We thought we'd talk about some of our repeal heroes that have been with us for some or all of the campaign. Uh, and it's actually the first on the list is people we have we should have spoken about earlier because the work they've been doing has been phenomenal um, and that is the Radical Queers Resist they've been the people who've been going around covering all those gross posters that are outside the maternity hospitals that are outside colleges that are outside schools and to be honest they've done it with such poise and positivity and the spirit of joy I think Um and not joy maybe what's the word I want to say the spirit of fab badassness <laughs> yeah yeah totally so well done Radical Queers Resist you are heroes we love you another bunch of heroes are all of the canvassers who have been going around door to door or leafleting outside train stations or tram stations or bus stops or whatever for so long now all of you who've got off your arses and got out there and knocked on doors or hit the phones to your friends you're fucking amazing 
You're just so fucking brilliant. And especially those people who've been canvassing in rural areas, in places where there are going to be high no votes. So everybody who canvassed in towns that were or rural areas or villages that were way harder actually to canvass than, you know, people canvassing in Dublin. Just well done. All of your work is so appreciated. You're absolute bosses. Absolutely every single person who has spent a euro, two euros, a thousand euros, whatever, fundraising to get this campaign to where it is. If you've bought a jumper, if you've bought a t-shirt, if you've, whatever you've done, fundraising has been so imperative to this campaign and the milestone that we reached with the, with the, uh, campaigning fundraisings has been a phenomenal boost to everyone so anyone who put their hand in their pocket it's really appreciated as well as everybody who organised events or came up with different fundraising mechanisms from clothes to table quizzes to brunches parties all that kind of stuff well done another bunch of heroes and this is really the big one and this is what has got us where we are today right now uh, on the brink of repealing the Eighth Amendment all of the women and their partners who've told their abortion stories. That has been the most difficult and challenging thing to do for people. It's been the biggest ask as well. And it's been something that nobody should ever have to do. But the reason we've been able to break the silence and shame around this issue is because of you guys. Now, some people did it publicly. Some people did it in newspapers or online. Some people did it anonymously. Some people did it on In Her Shoes. Some people just told their friends what they had gone through that they'd never told them before or their family members. Thank you all so, so much. I can't imagine what it's been like to have to listen to all this shit that's happened over the past three months from the No campaign. But just to tell you all, we hear you, we heard you and we see you and we saw you. And Ireland is so grateful for your sacrifice. So thank you. Oh, God. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, everyone who's had a conversation about this and got those yes votes over the line, it hasn't been easy having to come out and talk to people who don't want to have the conversations, who push back against it, and who are absolutely sometimes kind of mean. Um, so for you coming out and having that conversation, we salute you. And I've been talking to loads of my pals over the last while who've had really difficult conversations with their parents, you know, and that's a really difficult thing, I think, for people because it can be quite um, hurtful or painful or frustrating to have somebody you know who raised you who may not be on the same side as you are but a lot of you have got those yes votes over the line and even if you haven't just well done for the courage that you've shown in doing that another bunch of heroes that are just so important to this as well and that we need to pay tribute to everyone who's been on their own journey for an abortion everyone who travelled or took abortion pills in Ireland or abroad and who wasn't able or couldn't speak out about it. Thank you. I know it's been really, really difficult. I know it's been really hard, but we see you and we support you. And people like you, hopefully, once this is over the line and once the legislation is passed, won't have to go through what you went through. And finally, to end on a high, our all-time hero, Alva Smith. This podcast is created and hosted by Andrea Horan and Una Mullally. Produced by Andrew Mangan, Castaway Media, and researched by Susie Bennett. Thanks to Sarah Fox for the design and Elaine May for the beautiful tune and you for listening. Speaking of you for listening, we want to say thank you to everyone for listening. It's been an emotional but fun ride getting to this point. 
We have a huge three days ahead of us and we just want you to know that you are supported. You are worthy of being treated as a human being. You deserve dignity. You are equal. And you are stunning. And finally... Share 